But I wanted to um, sing that song this morning because the simplicity of trusting in Jesus is really comes all down to the simplicity of trusting that he is who he says he is and he will be what he says he will be and he will do what he says he will do. And when you put your trust in him, it is incredible. It is amazing to put your trust in Jesus. In college, I put my trust in my girlfriend at the time. Her name was Cheryl Lee and she ended up being my wife, so don't think anything. But but at the time, I trusted her with my brand new Sony Walkman. This thing was state-of-the-art. It was a CD player, not those old tape Walkmans, but it was a CD player, and you, could, you had it, and it had different light settings on. It had a little remote. This thing was expensive. It was a beautiful piece of machinery. And she was leaving for a long road trip with the basketball team, and she was going to be gone for several days. And I thought, man... I want her to experience the beauty of a digital recording, the beauty of a CD player, and and to impress all those other college kids with those tape Walkmans. And if you don't know what a tape is, just Google it. You'll figure it out. But but I wanted to impress her with this, and so I gave it to her, and, and she was so excited, and I trusted her with it. Come back later, found out she broke it. She she didn't even take it on the trip because she broke it even before she took it. But I trusted her. I had faith in her. And the thing is, is sometimes our ideas of faith are weak and our ideals of faith are not as strong because we've had failures. We've had problems. We've had defeats. We've had things that didn't go our way. But I want to tell you that faith is something that you can have. And if you hold on to it, you'll never be disappointed in God. I truly believe that what the psalmist says, as Lisa was sharing that scripture with me this morning, Psalm 25, that those who put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. Never. What is faith? Faith is simply this, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You have to be confident in knowing that things are going to work out the way you believe they work out according to the will of God. And when, if sometimes we want God to do things that aren't necessarily His will, you know, just like every Sunday I pray, Lord, let the Vikings win. Wait, no, I don't pray that. Lord, let the lions win. Okay, I'm being honest in church, right? I only pray that when my wife's hearing me because she's a Vikings fan. But I pray, Lord, let the lions win. Let the lions win. And, um, and this last Sunday, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't watching the game live. You know, I usually record it. And, and things just happen, you know. And, and uh, we had people over, you know, we had the church over for lunch last week. And we enjoyed this nice meal. And so I wasn't able to watch it live. And so we, I didn't get to the game till almost the very end of the game, and it was over, and I started to watch, and all of a sudden I noticed my phone started blowing up. Bzz, 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 bzz. People were texting me, and I knew this. My boys did it. <laughs> I knew that my Lions won. I did, because there's no reason. Everyone will text me, you know, when, when, when they're terrible, but when they beat the Vikings, everyone responds, and people are texting me, Pete, I can't believe that. I saw it later. So I'm watching this game in confidence. I'm watching this game knowing for sure that the Lions are going to win. 
And as I'm watching it, they didn't have the, they, it, they, they shouldn't have won the game. There's no way they should have won the game. But I watched it with confidence. Why? Because I was sure. I was confident. Even though all odds were against us, we won. Praise the Lord. Miracles happen. You know, <laughs> my son says, Dad, why, why are we still watching the Lions? You know, he texts me. He says, why are we still watching the Lions? I said, we don't watch them to win. We watch to see who will be the first team to lose to them. And that's why we watch. And so thank you, Vikings. What is faith? Faith is confidence. It's confidence. It's trust. It's the ability to know that you have the ownership of it. That you're confident, that you're assured, that there is proof, there's verification, there's evidence. Even if we don't see it, even if we don't perceive it, even if we can't even imagine it, we must have faith, confidence, hope. And Jesus explains this in Matthew 15. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 21 says this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, coming, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter's demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Now, what is amazing is this. That this woman comes up to Jesus and she puts him in a category that automatically shows how she views him. She cries out to him, Lord, son of David, you're the one who was promised by God that he will always have a son on the throne. You are from the promise of my God, my, my savior, the one I trusted. And Jesus sees that this woman appears to have an understanding of who he is. But what did the disciples see? How did the disciples see her? They saw her as a Canaanite woman. They saw her as someone who did not belong or deserve to be in the presence of this Messiah. And so what's the first thing they do? Send her away. She keeps crying out after us. I love how, I love how the disciples just kind of make it all about them, you know? <laughs> Jesus, hey, Jesus, come on. I don't know why I just did a Ronnie Dangerfield accent. But anyways, <laughs> I haven't watched him in a long time, guys. But, but you know, Jesus, you know, why, why, are they, why are they bothering us? They ain't bothering. She wasn't bothering them. She was bothering Jesus. She was pursuing Jesus. And sometimes we try to get ourselves in the story and we don't belong there. Sometimes we put ourselves in the mix and we don't belong there, especially when it comes to spiritual battles. Listen, we trust the one who can defeat our enemy. We trust the one. That's why Paul says it's not with flesh and blood. It's not with people that you see or the opposition that you have. It's with something that is beyond your vision. It's with the principalities and the ruler of the air. It's against a spiritual force. So don't put yourself in that battle. Sometimes we try to solve problems and we end up making more problems because we're trying to make it happen instead of trusting in Jesus. And so this woman is coming to Jesus and says, hey, you know, please, son of David, help me. My daughter, she needs your help. She's suffering. She's under demon possession. And the disciple says, send her away. But this is how he answers. 
I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, please help me, she said. And he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was held, healed at that moment. Jesus is coming to Tyre. He wanted some privacy and some rest earlier. It tells us that Jesus left this vicinity because he didn't want no one to know about it. He wanted to get a little R&R. He wanted to get away and just get some rest. But yet this woman finds out about him. And she is a bitter enemy of Israel. She is the one that opposes Israel. Her people are. But her daughter needed help. And Jesus did not answer a word to her request. He did not respond right away. He sees her crying out and then finally, but not right away. What do you do when the Lord doesn't respond right away? What do you do when the Lord doesn't respond the moment you ask him? Psalm 62.1 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For him comes my salvation. How long are we willing to wait until God shows up? How long are we willing to wait until God speaks to us? I think about Abraham all the time. And I think about how he was promised to have a son that would come from his wife beyond their normal years. But what I think about the most about that story is the fact that he had to wait almost 24 years before any evidence would come of it. He had to wait almost 24 years before something actually happened. How long are you willing to wait? When my wife and I were going through some struggles, and I remember I wanted to quit, and I just said, God, I just, I just want to quit. And my wife told me, she says, Pete, just hold in there. God's got us. God's got us. And, and, and literally just four days, the only time I ever wanted to quit ministry in my life, these four days, all she kept saying was, just wait, Pete, wait, just wait, just wait. I trusted him for nine years through this whole process, but I couldn't wait four more days. I'm so glad that God uses people in our lives to help us, to remind us, wait. Because when you wait for him, you will find out that your salvation is there. This woman was willing to wait, even when he didn't respond right away. Simple faith is simply this. It's focused. When we have simple faith, it must be focused. She came up to someone who she knew that these people didn't get along, Israel and Canaanites, they didn't get along. She knew this, but she was focused on him. She wasn't focused on the disciples. She wasn't focused around the people around her. She was focused on Jesus. Why? Because he was the one who was going to do the miracle that she needed. The only person that could help her was Jesus. She wasn't focused on the discouragement. She wasn't focused on all the back talk. She wasn't focused on the opposition. She was simply focused on the one who had the answer. Focus. Simple faith is focused. When we let distractions enter into our life, that's when we begin to lose faith and confidence of what Jesus has promised us. 
When we begin to have, when we begin to look at all of the distractions, that's when we become weak. Just like when the disciples were going on the boat and Jesus was in in the bottom of it or, or in the back of it sleeping. All of the disciples, all they could see was the winds and the waves and the storm that was going to overtake them. And the disciples ran back to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care about us? Jesus wasn't distracted. He was sleeping. Because he knew that his father had a plan for him. His father had a purpose for him. And it wasn't going to end because of a storm. And because of that, Jesus had confidence that no matter what happened, he was going to make it to the other side. And I want us to understand that when your faith is focused in Jesus, it doesn't matter how big the storm is. It doesn't matter how much you are being tossed back and forth and it seems like it's not going to work. If you know that God has a plan and a purpose for you, keep on fighting because God is going to get you to the other side. But what would we do if we were on that boat and we were sleeping and all of a sudden we felt a little rocking? I know what I would do. I would pop open one eyeball and start looking, and all of a sudden I just start seeing all those waves coming, lightning, and I'm looking at my boat. I'm, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous. Why? Because I see the distraction. But when you know how the story ends, you simply focus on getting to the other side. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that life isn't hard. Because some of the waves that hit our life, some of the problems that we face, they're hard and they hurt. The loss that we experience is real. I'm not belittling any of that. But I am saying this, that if you just simply focus on Jesus, he will get you to the other side. He will get you beyond the moment. But you must be focused You must be determined. You must be stubborn and say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you. In Luke 18, Jesus gives this example. He's he's telling this in Luke 18. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary for Some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The Lord said, listen, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen one who cry out to him day and night? Will Will he keep putting them off? I tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find people who are willing to be so focused on getting the reward, getting the answer, getting what they need, and keep on pursuing it even when it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, even though you've been banging for hours and the door doesn't budge? Are you willing to do it? Because Jesus started off this, or this section in the Bible, Luke 18, started off by this. Jesus told this to his disciples to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus is saying, never give up on me. Never give up on me. You keep asking. You keep seeking. And I promise you, our Father will send the answer and do it quickly. But Lord, 
It's been so long. I've been here night after night after night. I've been crying out for my family. I've been crying out for my job. I've been crying out for our nation. God, when, when, keep knocking. Don't stop. When things get discouraging, this is how I personally deal with it. If I, am, if I go through my spiritual checklist, am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I doing what the Lord is? Is there sin in my life? And I go through my spiritual checklist and I know that all those things are checked off and I'm doing my best. Then I don't listen to what the lies tell me. Even this morning, I got a hurtful text from someone. Out of the blue, just hurt. Don't people know you don't send hurtful texts on Sunday morning? Do it Monday morning. Have a little respect. I got to go preach. And it just, it hurt. And so I closed my phone and I started to pray the Lord's Prayer. My Father, may your name be praised in heaven as it is, or may your name be praised and may your will be done in heaven as it is here or on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. And Father, If there's anything in my heart, forgive me. And then I prayed for this individual and I said, Lord, forgive them. Make them completely innocent before you and me and bless them. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from my enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I do when I have discouragement, when I have things that are coming and attacking my faith, is I learn to just trust that Jesus is the one I'm going to focus on. I didn't get out my phone and just start saying, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. Why? Because I'm going to focus on the one who has the answers. I'm going to focus on the one who solves relationship problems. I'm going to focus on the one who has delivered me time and time again and will deliver me from this moment. And so when I know that things are attacking me, I just, I deal with it. I forgive. But then I say, Lord, let's go. Let's fight. Let's fight. I've always loved fighting. I did. Can I be honest in church? I always loved fighting. You know, I went to school, and it was like we fought all the time. And I'm not just talking about you know, verbal abuse. I'm talking you go home. I mean, I almost got kicked out of our youth group because kids were going home black and blue. You know? I didn't want to be at church, so I might as well just beat people up. You know? I'm just, I love fighting. I remember my youth pastor one time asked me, he says, Pete, will you go take care of this car? There's this car parked in the back of the parking lot you kind of saw the smoke coming out the windows and they're just sitting there in the corner and he's like Pete would you go take care of this I'm like yes I will youth pastor come on you know and so I grabbed a couple guys with me I said let's go talk to these guys these guys they get out of the car these guys were big just big get out of the car as we're coming and they start walking towards me and all of a sudden I realized that my friends left me and all by myself so what did I do I closed the gap. I start going after those guys. I start moving in. And what do they do? I'm like, man, this guy's crazy. He'd get in the car and take off. Why? Because, number one, I can't outrun them. Look at me. <laughs> so why waste all my energy trying to run them? Miles of fight. Praise the Lord. The Lord has delivered me. I don't go around fighting people. But I do believe that we're still in a fight. And I'm not going to back down from when the enemy starts throwing haymakers. 
I'm not going to back down when he starts throwing those punches and trying to discourage me and trying to get me focused on everything else except Jesus. I'm not going to back down from that fight. I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, if this is the path that you have, if this is what you're asking me, if this is what you promised me, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to hold on until I see victory. Who thought you would come to church and your pastor would tell you, have a little attitude, have a little attitude when it comes to our spiritual fight. Don't put up with it. The devil isn't controlling your situation. The devil isn't in charge of your life. It is God himself that watches over us. And he may throw everything he can against you. Look at the story of Job. The story of Job, if you take out the first couple chapters, you'll never know what's happening. All you would see was Job did something wrong because he lost everything. He didn't know. He did not know that the fight was happening in the spiritual. The fight was happening between Satan and the Lord himself. He didn't know that. All he knew was he lost everything. But he knew inside that he was seeking God. And he held on to God. He got a little arrogant and God had to show up and correct him. But he held on to his belief that my God is still the same God that I trust, even though I lost all this. You got to hold on and you got to stay in the fight because only people who don't quit will see the victory. Only people who don't quit will see the promises of God fulfilled. Stay in the fight. And the only way you're going to do that is you stay focused and you keep your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You keep focused. Not only must you have focus in your faith, but you must also understand that your faith is going to be tested. There is just no doubt about it. You are going to have to be tested. Jesus responded to her. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus was not trying to play her along. Jesus was simply giving her a test. And unlike the test that your teachers used to do to make you fail, these tests are designed to help us succeed. These tests are to help us understand that, that there is something greater than just this thing that is happening. How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to let your faith be tested? We don't like to hear the word no. We don't. And I remember when first time I asked a girl to date me in high school, she said no. Her loss. First time I asked a girl to date me in college, she said no. Maybe it's me. <laughs> you start to realize, maybe it's me. The first time I asked her to date me, she said no. The first time I asked my wife to date me, she said no. <laughs> you see, a theme is going on in my life. No. And finally, the Lord told me, after my wife told me no, the Lord told me to lay it down. To lay it down and to seek him. And I just want you to know that nothing bad ever happens when you seek God. I want you to understand this. Nothing bad ever happens when you seek God. I didn't say that hell was going to come against you. It will. I didn't say that you would live problem-free. You'll have problems. But nothing bad ever happens when you seek the Lord. He is for you and not against you. Can, can you just take that at face value? He is for you. He's rooting for you. He's cheering for you. He's not against you. If God was against us, God help us. But he's not. 
Nothing bad ever happens when we seek the Lord. So the Lord was telling me to lay it down, not to seek him. That, that I could trust his plan in my future with my spouse if I just seek him. And I, I just remember it, it was yesterday in my apartment, kneeling down at my piano bench, just saying, God, I lay Cheryl Lee down at your feet. I lay dating down at your feet. And, and I truly meant this. I said, Lord, even if I will die as a single man, every breath that I take, I give to you. I trust you. Man, I just felt the presence of God. I knew that God was, was really moving in my life. And I go outside. I leave because I had to go somewhere. I go outside. And there is Cheryl Lee talking to that guy that she had a crush on. Mm. Your faith is always going to be tested. But I remember looking at that and saying, oh, you want to talk to him, huh? No, Lord, I lay it down. I want to seek you, and I'm going to trust you that you will bring my best friend into my life. And he did. But it was tested. This mother saw something in Jesus. She said, Lord, son of David. Her belief was that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He was the one who was anointed. And she knew about his grace and his mercy because Psalm 13 has taught us, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord praise for he has been good to me. She knew that this was David's son. She knew that he was from the line of David. And she knew that God would never fail her. And yet she was being tested. She was... She could have got discouraged. She could have got mad. She could have got angry. These are some of the things that we do when we're upset, when we blame God for the things that are happening. I remember as a young kid when, when I was you know, in, in, in high school and I got hired by, by GM and, and uh, even before I graduated, I was working. And, and all of a sudden after I graduated, I had to work like 16-hour days. And for six days and 12 hours on Sunday, I mean, it was just horrible schedule. And, and I remember my youth pastor used to tell all my friends, don't hang out with Pete. Don't hang out with Pete. He, he sold his soul to money and he's working. And they didn't realize that you had to basically work whatever they told you for 90 days until you got into the union. And they would do this. They would work people to death and they would fire people if you were one minute late. I remember one time I, I had to drive a half hour to get there, and I woke up late. I was tired, and I got there one minute just before it was time to check in. I, I hurried up, and I, I checked in. I punched in, and the guy who was one minute late got fired. I mean, it was that kind of weight and pressure on you. And, and my dad, who wasn't saved at the time, just gave me some advice as do what they're asking you to do. After that, you'll be okay, but just do it. And so I did. I did it for 90 days. And at the time, my youth pastor was talking bad about me, how I, I didn't love Jesus anymore. And I remember I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at God because here I am. I lost all my friends. I couldn't go to church. Couldn't, couldn't do nothing anymore. Things that I love to do, I couldn't do. And I was mad at God. But I didn't realize that he was testing me. He was preparing me. And all of a sudden I found opportunities to witness to people on the line. I was giving some good people some good words of God. And I was just helping people there. And finally when I left, when I left GM to come to school, I felt like a broken warrior. I felt like a soldier that got defeated. And it, would just, it seemed like I didn't have any victory in my life. And I remember God telling me this. He says, Pete, you went through a battle but you're still standing and you still love me. And he was preparing me. See, faith is going to be tested. 
We cannot back down from the test. Sometimes God is not going to reveal himself right away. Sometimes God isn't going to answer our problems right away. Sometimes God isn't going to deliver us from every problem. Sometimes that problem is a part of the plan. But you must keep believing and knowing that your faith is going to be tested. Not only must we be focused in our faith, not only must we understand there's going to be a test in our faith, but I believe this, that we need to be desperate in our faith. This woman says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from this master's table. This woman was willing to get anything from the Lord. From the Lord. Anything. Anything. She was desperate. She wasn't going to be satisfied by going to someone else. She wanted his help because he was the only one. People sometimes think this is a a pretty mean thing that Jesus said, but it wasn't. He was putting it in the right context that Israel doesn't care about Canaanites. Israel thinks of Canaanites lower than people. And I need to take care of these people first. That's what I'm called to do. It's not right to give what, is, what my plan is to others, not at this time. Because, see, part of the plan is that Jesus is going to tell his disciples, and his disciples are going to invite the people at the table. And we become one family then. But that wasn't, that wasn't the plan at the moment. The plan was just to let Israel know. But she was desperate. And she says, I'm willing to wait at your table like a dog and eat the crumbs. Because anything from your table is better than nothing. Anything from you, Lord, is better than nothing. You have to be desperate. It reminds me of the story of Nahum in the Old Testament when he was a great warrior, great military guy, but he had leprosy. And, and one of his wife's servant who was from Israel found out, and she says, man, only if he could go and see the prophet Elisha, he'll be healed. And so Nahum goes to the king and says, hey, can I go to Israel? There's this prophet there. And the king says, oh yeah, let me write this great letter and let him know that, you know, hey, this is my, this is my military guy. I love him. Can you please help him? And, and uh, so Nahum goes to the king and the king's like, you know, who am I? Am I God? I can't do this. And, and so Nahum gets discouraged. And, and, uh, but then finally he goes and sees Elijah, Elisha. And, and I love this story because, you know, uh, Nahum is, you know, this military guy, this great guy. He's got all his, his, his badges on. He's got his decked out in his military gear. He comes knocking on the door. And, and who opens up? The guy in sweatpants. Hey, what's up, man? What you want? Uh, I'm looking for the prophet Elijah. Oh, yeah, he told me to tell you, go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River and everything would be good. All right, take care, man. Bye. Nahum's like, what is the, what's going on? I enter a room, people bow to me, look at me, and he's mad, and he's going back, and he's, rawr, 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 and he's, you know, saying things, just angry. Finally, the servant said, hey, if, if he told you to pat your head and rub your belly at the same time, do it, do it. And Nahum's like, well, he should have he came to me and opened the door and did some magic spell and wave his hands and do it. So he finally goes down and he dips five, six. And then finally he dipped the seventh time and he comes up and he's healed. And he goes back and finally the prophet talks to him. You see, you have to be desperate. 
Because Nahum said, this river, it's nasty. We got better rivers back in my hometown. This is like swimming in a lake in Fairmont. This, this is gross. What are you doing? But you got to be desperate. James and I went fishing one time. Brought the boat into the dock. There's nothing but green algae all around. Filth. I looked at James. He looked at me and he says, your boat. So I had to get in the water and I got nasty. I mean, it was, just, it was gross. But are you desperate enough when you're seeking God to get in that water to wait for the crumbs to get past those moments while everyone else because think about this everyone at the table is laughing everyone at the table is having a good time everyone at the table is enjoying themselves and you're sitting there like a dog just waiting for anything are you desperate If I believe this, that if you're focused, I bring this to a close. If you're focused and, and you are, <clears throat> you're focused in your faith and you're willing to be tested and you are desperate, I believe this, that you will, you will be rewarded. Jesus says, woman, you have great faith. He didn't say it to an Israelite lady. He didn't say it to the high class in society and people who had 500,000 friends on Facebook. He said it to this woman who wasn't even liked by his people. He says, you have great faith. I believe this, that your faith will be rewarded, that God will reward you if you do not give up. I believe a lot of times we don't have great faith in God is because we give up too soon. We don't have great faith in God because we didn't wait long enough. We quit in the 24th year of the promise. We quit in the last four days of the promise. We quit too soon to let God show up. I believe this, that God will not fail you. And that's why Jesus said in Mark 11, have faith in God. Tell, I tell you the truth. If anyone says this mountain, go throw itself in the sea and does not doubt and have the heart, believes it, that what they say will happen, it will be done Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. Jesus is saying, listen, you can ask for the impossible and it will happen if you have faith in God. I remember I was at an ecumenical Bible study. And basically, you know, you have to kind of hide what you really believe so we can get along. And, uh, but I'm a, I'm a stickler when it comes to the word of God and, and this verse came up and one of these one of the pastors looked at me and said well you believe that you can ask anything in his name you can ask for a million dollars you can ask for a house you can ask for this and that you believe you ask for anything it will happen i said yes because that's what jesus said but jesus also said seek the kingdom first so I'm not going to seek my personal desires. I'm not going to seek the things that, that I want. I'm not going to ask the Lord to send me a bigger boat. I don't even like to fish. So why in the world would I trust or doubt what Jesus said? 
I'm going to pray his will. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to have his heart. I'm not going to go after those selfish things. If God wants to give me these things, fine. That's great. I'll take it. But he, Jesus said, have faith in God and have faith in the fact that if you ask anything in his name, he will do it. I believe the word of God and I believe that you will be rewarded. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. And what happened? This lady, this woman, her daughter was healed. And I'm telling you that if you just remain focused, if you're willing to go through the test and you are desperate enough and you hold in there, God is going to reward you and he will do whatever you ask. Because all he is looking for is faith. He's not looking for someone who's dressed right, acts right. He's not looking for someone who's got it all together. But he's looking for faith. And he said in this unjust judge story, she kept knocking, kept knocking. And he said at the very end of that story, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? I pray he finds faith in here. I pray he finds faith in our church. I pray he finds faith in your home. I pray he finds faith when you seek him. And I pray that you don't give up because he will do what he asked.